Ladies and gents, welcome to another episode of Optimize Your Body podcast. I've got an amazing guest on the line today, and Brian Federico is the definition of an A-grade client. And he's going to share some gems uh, and some really valuable stuff here in terms of how he performs at such a high level and has got to where he's at with with his uh, with his physique and with his with his health and among uh, alongside a few other things as well. So, Brian, how you doing, man? Over in New York, there, you good? Good. Things are great. Fantastic. How are you settling? Just for the audience as well, uh, Brian's originally from from Arizona, um, and you moved to New York. It was what well, last year, or was it the year before? Just a couple of years ago. A couple of years ago, yeah. And how have you settled into New York life in comparison to? Because I know you were living in Portland before. It's like completely different, right? Yeah, no. New York has been great. We actually have been really surprised at how much we like it, how comfortable we feel here. Because it, you know, we I lived in Portland for twenty years. Uh, before moving to New York and Portland was a lot is a, is a lovely place to live. We loved living there. Um, but New York has been a super welcome change. We love it. There's, there's never any, uh, you know, there's just always something to do here really. Mm, always, always. And that can be good and bad, right? It's great. But then at times it's like, it must, must, you have to make some, you know, cause I know you, you do a lot, which we'll talk about in terms of your travel and everything else. You need to recharge sometimes, don't you? Oh yeah. I think we definitely have gotten, I feel like we're in a good place. Both me, my husband and I are over the period of life where you experience a lot of FOMO. Like we're just old enough that we just don't care. <laughs> like we know enough to know that when you don't want to do anything, that's okay. And and that feels like a good time to be here because you don't feel like you have to do something just because, just because you can. Sometimes doing nothing is the best thing. It'd be different, wouldn't it? If you were living in New York in your 20s, it'd be a different story, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah, we would both, yeah, that's exactly right. Not only would you be worried about missing out on everything, but you also would be, wouldn't be making nearly as much money. And so it's a lot less fun that way. <laughs> exactly, 100%. If you wouldn't mind just sharing a little bit more about yourself, perhaps just like, just a little bit in terms of your childhood, where you grew up, and what made you kind of pursue the career that you're in now with Stanford Law School and get, get into such a, you know, I, I guess just, becoming so successful really and what you're doing you know it's, it's a really interesting story yeah happy to share a little bit so i'm currently the associate dean for external relations which means i'm responsible for all of our alumni relations and fundraising activity um and uh it's no one grows up thinking i want to be a fundraiser you know it's not one of those professions like doctor or lawyer or police officer it's just something that everyone in the profession falls into accidentally. Um, and that was true for me too. Uh, and I think that what connects it back, I think to my childhood, I would say is there was a moment in my early in my career when I was working, uh, in undergraduate admissions. So my job was to help recruit, uh, and, uh, admit students to college. And we were doing a lot of work around diversity and inclusion and trying to get more students of color and underrepresented populations to apply to the college. And then uh, we would get them admitted and then they would choose to go other places because we didn't offer a competitive financial aid package. Because of course in the US, uh, students have to self-finance most of their undergraduate education. Um, And so I just remember going through that process for a couple of years and thinking, well, this is really stupid. We're doing all this work to build a strong pipeline of applicants. And then at the moment that it matters most, we're failing them. And if the problem is money, well, money is a solvable problem. Like we can get money. And so that's when I realized, oh, 
if I'm going to work in the nonprofit sector, I probably should learn how to raise money because money seems to be the key, like one of the biggest tripping, like the biggest issues that most organizations face. It's not the most important issue that organizations have to deal with, but boy, it's it solved a lot of problems, right? And so I just thought, you know, if this is the field that I want to stay in, if this is the sector I want to stay in, I should learn how to raise some money. And it just so happened I became friends with someone who was working in fundraising at the time. And she said, oh, you'd be great. And she introduced me to the woman who would become my first development boss. And then my career sort of took off from there. And I would say that the connection in terms of sort of my background and my upbringing, I was reminded of this recently or a few years ago. One of my cousins reminded me that when I was in third grade, uh, I started my school's first recycling program. Um, which I had sort of forgotten about. And so it was funny to have my cousin remind me of this story uh, that I, you know, just had looked sort of just in a moment, kind of looked around at my school. And I remember asking my principal at the time, I was in third grade, it's like, why don't we recycle things? Like, why don't we have a recycling program? And the principal was like, I don't have an answer for you. Um, and so I organized the school's first recycling club and started a recycling program and it failed miserably. And there was a lot of lessons that I learned, right? You're a three or third grader. I was like, what, nine, 10 years old. Um, it did not persist beyond that first year because uh, lots of reasons. But one of the lessons that I learned was in retrospect was the importance of institutionalizing solutions, right? So it's one thing to organize the solution, but it's another thing to create something that outlasts like the initial process. And so finding ways to make sure that if you develop a solution, like make sure there's ways to make it last because it needs to outlive you for it to be meaningful. But anyway, that story is illustrative, I think, of just the sense of um, uh, the strong belief that I have and, and still have that the world can be made better, but not on its own. Like it takes good people doing good hard work in community to sort of solve the world's problems. And that's one of the reasons why I like the work that I do as a fundraiser is because I'm not good at the problem solving part, but I can solve this problem of getting money for you. Like you smart people should develop the solution. I will help bring money so that you can pay the people to solve the problem. Um, and it's a fun place to sort of get to do, to get to be part of really good outcomes. Uh, so I, I do really like the work. And, and so I was raised in a pretty traditional Mexican Catholic family. I grew up on the US Mexican border. Um, but my parents, you know, we had a pretty idyllic upbringing in some ways. We were not wealthy by any stretch of the imagination, but my parents were super dedicated parents. And so they they raised us in a really tight knit family. And I'm still really close to to my cousins, my brothers and sister. Um, it's a just a pretty, pretty uh my husband likes to joke uh that we are the Mexican copies from the Cosby show TV because everyone's really communicative and highly functional and we're all really close and we, we get along really well. And it's just really different than I think a lot of other families in that way. Yeah. That family dynamic and your upbringing plays such a big part in it, doesn't it? And I'm just curious to know where you got that work. So you kind of answered it there, but in terms of your work ethic, and we'll talk a bit more about this because you know, how you do anything is how you do everything. Right. And you know, your physique basically tells that story, right? Ultimately your physique is the story of sacrifice, right? So just curious to know where that work ethic came from, man, because again, what you've achieved in your professional life and with your physique kind of, uh, you know, is interesting. Yeah, I mean, it's. I would say first and foremost, it's easy to point to my parents who always were hard workers. Uh, and um, my dad had the kind of job uh, that he often had to work. He was a warehouse foreman 
uh, for a produce company. And so there's high seasons and low seasons to when produce is being shipped across the Mexican border. Uh, and, you know, he would work easy 12 hour days through the winter because that was the high season of when produce was being shipped into the U.S. And so, uh, you know, it, you don't have to look very far for examples of people who were willing to do whatever it took to provide for their families. And I don't even have that pressure of providing for my family in the same way that he did. They had, you know, my parents had five kids and uh, there was real financial pressure to sort of make sure that we were all fed and clothed and housed appropriately. Um, and so, you know, it, that was always a given. And, uh, you know, my parents also emphasized a lot while we were growing up the importance of education in part because they didn't have it. Uh, they were both high school graduates, but neither of them had college degrees. And, you know, they they always were really emphatic about how transformative that that experience could be for us economically, right? Like they're in their minds, uh, the key to sort of economic security was a college education. And so that was a message they often repeated to us a lot growing up was you don't have to struggle the way we're struggling. There are other choices that you can make that can help you get set up for an easier, better life. Um, and they were right for the most part. Um, and then I, the other thing that I'll say is I, for a long time, I would say I was not really that disciplined. Like I, through most of my childhood and teenage years, and even my early adulthood after, after graduating from college, I would say I really got by on some raw talent. Like I was always smart. You know, I was just one of those kids. School came really easy to me. I never had to study for tests. I could write a paper in a night if I needed to. I never really had to be very disciplined. Um, and I would say college was probably the first time when I started to experience the pain point of having to actually be thoughtful and strategic about my time and, and my time management. And I couldn't skip class. I couldn't skip the assignments. I had to do all the work because it was all building towards like real skill development and not just something that I could just, you know, uh, uh, wing it at. Like the work, nothing about it was something that I could wing in the same way. Um, and in fact, I still remember my freshman year when I missed two, my first two advising appointments with my faculty advisor because I had forgotten that I, that they were scheduled. And I remember how embarrassing it was. And I remember like, oh God, like I really have to learn how to like manage things. And I, I, that year, that same year I started seeing a therapist on campus. Um, and she, she taught me one of the, this, she gave me this mantra that I still repeat to myself and use it, and it's become second habit. And it was the structure gives you freedom and her, you know, uh, you know, obviously that's meant to be an oxymoron and it's meant to be kind of tongue in cheek, but her point was you can accomplish all of the things that you want to accomplish in life. Uh, but you, you have to make time for it, right? You just have to create enough structure so that you can survey what your priorities are and figure out how you do all the things you want to you make you schedule time for homework, you schedule time for socialization, you schedule time to go to class, you schedule time to go to the gym, you schedule those things. And that structure helps give you uh, everything that you need to make sure you are spending your time in the places you want to be spending your time, right? It's basically, what are your priorities? And then how do your priorities reflect really how you're spending your day? And that lesson has stuck with me all these years later. And I think about that a lot. Mm. And just for some context for the audience as well, Brian joined the program in December 2020, and he was already in you know fantastic shape, already as you say, you know disciplined and at a good level with everything and and taking care of yourself. But you've gone to a whole new level now, and I was going to ask you about that mantra actually. So I'm glad you uh, I'm glad you touched on that. So that was obviously really impactful to you, right? So having that mantra from a young age, uh, structure, 
uh, gives you more freedom, right? That was the mantra, basically. It gives you freedom. Yeah. Yep. And just to, because you do, with everything you do and the hours you work and all the travel you do as well, right? Let's talk about that. Let's talk about um, time management, right? So how do you manage everything, mate? Because, you know, when it comes to you travel, for example, last week uh, or the week before last, whenever it was, you know, you travel a lot, right? But you always manage to get like six sessions for the most part in the gym. You know what I mean? You, you yeah. even, even, was it last week or the week before when you were like, you know, you had loads of stuff going on and lots of stuff was out of your control with food, but you still managed to hit your protein target, right? And, you know, the reality is a lot of people make excuses. I'm too busy. But a lot of times it comes down to just priorities, like you said, right? Yeah. it's So I will say it's taken me a long time to learn all of the tricks that help make both of those things possible, right? But it is also still understanding, like, what my priorities are. And a, a lot of stuff has led to my ability to be, to, like, manage all of these priorities. And I would say when it comes to getting the workouts in, uh, one thing that's helped is, you know, my whole, I've spent now, I've got, you know, almost a 20 year career going now. And I've been what we sometimes call a road warrior the whole time. Like I've been a business traveler my entire career. I've always spent time traveling for work. And now it's only been, I would say like within the last five or 10 years that I have finally figured out like what's the right formula to help make sure I can get my workouts in when I'm traveling. And some of it's as simple as, like either I pick a hotel that has a really good gym and sometimes there are hotels that have really good gyms and, you know, I spend the 30 minutes kind of researching the hotel to figure out, does this hotel have a decent enough gym? Am I going to be able to get an okay workout in? Um, because it's important to me. And so I just make a little bit of time to sort of figure out, is this a hotel that's actually good for me? Or I pick a hotel that's near a gym that I can get access to either because I'm already a member of a national chain or I can buy a day pass or a week pass or whatever I need to sort of make it worthwhile. And um, that's also a little bit of where the prioritization comes from, right? Is that like financially, I just would rather put my money there than doing other things because I like getting the workout in. Uh, and the other thing that's helpful is, you know, after I've been working out so regularly for so many years now that like the positives totally outweigh the negatives. Like I don't feel as good about my day if I haven't gotten my workout in. Like it's just the, you know, whether it's chemical or it's psychological or it's emotional, I don't really know or care. What I know is if I prioritize getting that workout in first thing in the morning, everything about my day is better. I feel better. I It feels like it's, it. I feel much more accomplished. I'm more energized throughout the whole day. It just makes everything better. Um, and so I'm so glad that all those years ago, I made the very painful switch from trying to do evening workouts to trying to, to morning workouts. And again, it's also like, it's, it's another example of prioritization because the, when I started to make the switch to morning workouts, I did it because I wanted to get more consistent. And I realized if I wait till the end of the day to try to do my workout, all kinds of things will prevent me from doing that, whether it's something comes up at work or I get invited to go to happy hour or I'm just too tired and lazy or whatever it is. There's like so many ways that an evening workout can get interrupted for me. And so I just realized if I really want to get consistent, I, it has to be done in the morning so that it's just done and it's out of the way. And there's not an excuse not to go to the gym because I already went to the gym. And then if I want, I can go to happy hour or I can stay and work late or I can just go home and relax and it's not a big deal. But I would say that sort of all, all those things have helped make it easy for me to be so much more consistent, like switching to the morning workouts, picking hotels when I'm on the road that really facilitate the workout, whether it's at that gym, whether it's at a hotel gym or a gym nearby, 
um, like, uh, and same thing with food. It's taken me a long time to learn how to eat when I'm on the road so that it, it's, it, it's driving that behavior well. Right. And so I will say that one of the things that has been like a game changer for me, the last few years has been, uh, uh, Amazon's like whole food delivery service. So that like, I can order a couple days worth of food in advance and it can be waiting for me at my hotel when I get there, or, and I can just refresh what I need throughout the week so that I have egg whites for breakfast. And like, it's, you know, all of it can be in my hotel room and it makes it super easy. And I don't have to eat out as often, or if I do eat out, I can eat out how I want to eat out and be smart about it. And um, it's just, it's taken me a long time. That part's, that part's way harder to figure out than the workout, I would say. Traveling for work and handling food is like a real challenge, but learning to sort of pick foods uh, through like a grocery delivery service has made it way easier uh and frankly it saves me a ton of time like i <laughs> you hate i still hate like getting home from a long day of work especially when i'm on the road and taking meetings all day long and being out and about getting back to the hotel and then thinking oh god what am i going to do for dinner like i have to go find some place to eat food and now i don't do that i just order something that i know matches my nutrition plan and it's already there at the hotel and i can just eat and watch tv and relax and take it easy and don't have to get back in my car or figure out what I'm going to do for food that night. But the, the food stuff can be a challenge for sure. And the food stuff with Amazon, right? So do you just, for some clarity, do you have to actually cook the food? Mm-mm. No, no. Okay. Nope. Nope. So what I do is I, for breakfast, I usually like order, they can sell like um, pre like already cooked egg whites that you can microwave and heat up or hard boiled eggs in packages of like six, uh, and I just usually eat that with um, like either some guacamole or some salsa or something to give it flavor so that it's not just plain like hard boiled eggs because that's hard to stomach every day. Um, but I find things that I can add to it that like fit into the nutritional plan. Um, I usually, they sell like packages of uh, either like uh, chopped up chicken breast or rotisserie chicken that's been, like pulled chicken that's pulled apart. They sell in those packages. I usually buy a few of those and then uh, they also sell sort of small packaged salads uh, and I can just buy a variety of those salads and then I add chicken to them and that's sort of the meal, right? And I travel, this is this is like where things, I think this is where it goes from, for some people from being, oh, planful to being a little bit, you know, OCD is I do have a small travel scale that just lives in my suitcase and I take it out and I can measure out how much chicken I need for whatever meal um, or I'll measure out some other things, but you know, for the most part, the the nutritional stuff on the packaging, so it's easy to look at and be like, oh, yeah, this isn't going to like really do me in when it comes to the fats or the carbs. Like it's it's totally well within what I'm trying to do. And uh, so there's there's lots of ways that I've learned to sort of just become better at managing food when I'm on the road. But you know, it's super easy to buy those little containers of chicken, and then it's just there. You add what you need, and it's there for a few days. It says a lot of people listening to this now, they realize they're slacking. They're like, right, okay, that's what it takes. The thing is, when you said, <laughs> when you said about the uh, OCD with the scales, that was an interesting point you made there as well, right? Because it's way better though, right? To be on point, I would argue, it's way better to be on point, have your scales with you. It takes a couple of minutes out of your day, realistically. It's not a great deal of time, is it? But people yeah. might look at you and go, oh my God, that's obsessed. But I would say that's dedication, right? It's just dedication. And like, 
yeah, okay, with where you're at now, might not net, you, you know, food by eye, like you've said before, right? You track for long enough and you kind of know by looking at it, but by tracking, you're still going to be more accurate with it, right? So it's just yeah. something that you prioritize and you put the time and effort into. Well, and it's, for me, it, it was when I, when I started to do that, uh, as part of my like travel behaviors, my travel habits, I found it to be more liberating than anything because it took the guesswork out of what I was trying to do, right? And so, if like if I was gonna commit myself to this this fitness regimen and and really wanted to to do well in it, uh, like why wouldn't I just do the thing that takes the mystery out of the process, right? And it's much I find it to be much more liberating knowing oh, I am doing what I need to do to reach my goals then wondering, oh, is, is this enough protein? Am I doing enough? Is this too much? Am I overdoing it? And it just takes the, taking the mystery out of it for me has been, it, it sort of goes back to that structure gives you freedom is if I do this thing that's more highly structured, it actually gives me the brain space to do other things because I'm not constantly thinking about this thing. It's just, it's it's part of the habit now. Um, which is the other part of sort of the dealing with this stuff when I'm on the road is a lot of it is, uh, I mean, and you talk about this a lot is the importance of consistency to the, the program or to any sort of effort that you're doing consistency trumps everything else, right? Like there's no motivation to this. If you can be disciplined and consistent, that will trump any sort of, you know, uh, mis misguided belief that you need to be super motivated. Um, but, uh, just developing the habit. Uh, it's like muscle memory. It's just like, it's just a thing that I do now when I'm on the road. It's not even like a thing that I think twice about and um, uh, being disciplined about it, uh, it. It gets so much easier over time. Yeah. And it's literally like brushing your teeth after a while and it just becomes an automatic thing. But again, it's just something he prioritizes, he values. And that's something I want to touch on real quick as well in terms of the mental and emotional benefits. Because you can ask anyone, right? People like me and you who've been training for decades, right? Pretty much. Really what keeps you, and don't get me wrong, Brian and I, we like to look great. We're not going to lie about that. We like to look fantastic, oh, yeah. right? <laughs> Let's not lie about that. That is totally part of the motivation. <laughs> 100%. Yeah, we don't take photos every week and do all the weigh-ins and stuff for the sake of it. But uh, <laughs> with Brian and uh, with his husband, of course, I don't do that anymore. But no, in terms of you know where you're at now and, and what, you, what you actually, what actually keeps you going, right? It's the mental, emotional benefits. As you say, you can deal with things better. You can manage stress better. You make better decisions. You're dealing with people all day long. So talk us through that, the mindset behind like what drives you to keep it going. So I know you want to look good and that is a big driver, but there's also other drivers, right? Which really keep you going long-term. Yeah, I, I think for me, a lot of it is a sense of achievement. I like the feeling of accomplishment. I like feeling like I've reached some new goal or some new level or echelon. Um, you know, I'm a pretty, I mean, just like this is true of my work as well. I'm by my nature pretty outcome focused, right? Like I'm a fundraiser. I have, there are very like measurable outcomes that I can point to when I know I've been successful. I can tell you how much money I've raised or how many meetings I took or, you know, there's a lot of process to it, but there are very measurable outcomes. Um, and that lends itself, like the profession lends itself well to achievement oriented people because we can point to achievements and accomplishments. Um, and so for me, part of it is I find it really uh, fun to achieve something new, right? Like I love hitting a new PR and I love like watching 
my body change. And I love watching the like lately because we're going through a game cycle. I love watching the scale tip up week over week, little by little. Um, and I love, you know, I don't love measuring my body fat every week, but what I do love is to see how it's not changing, but my body, but like I'm getting heavier, which means I'm getting more muscle and staying lean. And like, that's, you know, that's not the end in itself, but it's, it's, uh, it feels good when you sort of see those outcomes being produced. Right. So being that kind of having that like achievement orientation, I think lends itself well to, to the world of fitness, because there's lots of ways you can measure your achievement, right? Whether it's a new PR or it's these body stats or whatever thing you want to use, there's lots of ways to be able to tell that you're on, that you're accomplishing something. Absolutely. And that just builds self-confidence and belief even more, doesn't it? Because it kind of bleeds over into every area of your life, doesn't it? Where were you at, Brian, before? Because again, Brian was already in fantastic shape prior to joining the program curious to just if you could share some of the barriers you were facing which were holding you back because you were kind of stuck you were still in good shape still training like all the stuff we said then there's more to it than just looking good but let's be honest you were a little bit frustrated and you were kind of holding yourself back a little bit with certain things just curious to know what your biggest struggles were before reaching out which was holding you back because even within the first four weeks right you basically had better results than you probably had in like years right <laughs> in terms of yeah and stuff it was i would say that uh it felt like I had gone as far as I could go without professional help. And I had worked with trainers off and on a couple of times over the years, but they're always like, you know, the trainers that that work at the commercial gyms. And many of those people are very skilled. I would say I got lucky once or twice with a couple of those people. Uh, but for the most part, I would say like most of the commercial gym trainers weren't like super committed or even that knowledgeable. Um, and they were sort of helpful in helping me along for a little while, but, you know, it was really hard to sort of keep, uh, routines interesting. It was hard to know when you should change a routine. It was hard to know, uh, what routines would be like my body would be most responsive to in terms of what I was trying to accomplish. And it just, there's so much, uh, information out there that anytime I try to like do the research for myself, it was just overwhelming. And it felt like there, this is just too much. And it was easy to sort of back off from. And so, uh, there had been a couple of tools that I had fallen into that had been helpful. A couple of apps. One was this app called BodBot, which was actually really helpful to me at the stage that I was at. Cause I didn't have, I, you know, I was pretty young. I was in my mid twenties, I think when I found BodBot. So I didn't have the money to pay for a trainer very regularly. And um, I don't, certainly could not have, I think, of afforded someone of your caliber at that point in my life. And so finding something like BodBot was super helpful just in terms of getting me to be consistent about going to the gym because it was a pretty easy app to use. It wasn't overly complicated. You could personalize it in some interesting ways, but it was really helpful just in that first like, oh, I don't want to get bored at the gym and I want to be able to target certain things and I need to know how to do that. And the app was really good at that piece of it, right? But um, it, it that lasted for a few years. And then I switched to this app called Fit Plan that had like plans that you could buy from like fitness influencers, right? So like I tried that for a while and that was good in that the the plans were fun, like the workouts were fun, but I wasn't necessarily getting different results, right? Because as I would grow to learn, or as I had been paying attention over the over time you know, the food, food is such an important factor in all of this, right? Like matching your nutrition to the plan so that you're achieving an out, so that those two things are designed with the outcome in mind. 
Um, and so the plans were fun, but I wasn't necessarily getting anywhere on anything, right? And so that was always a little bit frustrating. So it just kind of felt like I was in this cycle of like, I would try new things. It would it would get me a little bit further, but it wasn't necessarily uh, uh, sort of consistent progress, right? Or, or it just wasn't the progress that I wanted to be making. It just sort of felt like I was always getting to like the same kind of plateau, um, both in terms of like how I felt and also in terms of how I looked. And it just sort of seemed like there had to be a better way to do this. Um, and then you and I got in touch um, and uh, yeah, you sold me on what you had to offer. Uh, and it's, I think it's totally true. Like the results have been crazy. I don't, I've never been able to gain so much muscle so consistently over a period of time and uh, just, have your expertise around small things around food. You know, I sort of felt like I'd learned to eat well over the years. And in part because uh, we didn't mention this earlier, but my husband, when we first met, uh, was an amateur bodybuilder. And so I watched him go through the very extreme process of preparing for a bodybuilding competition. And it was, you know, when he did that, I remember telling my friends at one point, like, that's too extreme. Like if he, like, I almost broke, I, in fact, I remember I said to some of them, if he wants to keep doing this, we're going to break up because like, I don't want, I don't want anything to do with that lifestyle. Like I don't mind be, I love like the discipline of it. I love like the nutritional educational piece of it. Like I learned a lot about nutrition by watching, watching him go through it, but I was not a fan of the extremity. Like I still remember the point we were at brunch with my friends celebrating someone's birthday and he had to decline anything on the menu and went and ate like boiled chicken and rice in his car. And that was the point. I laughed about this because I spoke to Ken just just for the audience. Sorry to interrupt. I spoke to Ken last week and he told me this story uh, because I coach Ken as well, right? His uh, Brian's husband. And he was telling me about the butter, right? Was was that when you were in a French restaurant? And he was like, yes, I have anything without butter. And he said, it's a French restaurant. Everything's got butter on it. So he stopped the restaurant. He was like, never mind. I'm going to go eat my car. And that was the point that I was like, this is not going to last because like, I don't mind taking care of yourself, but there's a point at which like, you know, that, and that's, I think that's actually probably a pretty common pain point. Lots of people experience is that food is such a communal thing that there's this, there could be this pressure around it and just learning to eat smart. That's, I think that's one of the best things that we've had in working with you has been learning how to just make smart choices about food in general. Right. And that you don't nutrition matching your nutrition to your fitness goals doesn't have to be about deprivation. Like it's not about not doing things, but it's about thinking smart about what do you do that is both new, like healthy and tastes good. And, you know, but also then reinforces your fitness goals. But, uh, so, uh, the food stuff, I always felt like I was a little baffled by, like, I could never quite figure out how to get that right. And, and that, you know, even before you and I started working together, I had been, I'd learned how to, you know, count macros and, you know, create meals that sort of met macro definitions, but getting the macros right was always kind of a baffling thing. Cause there's all kinds of calculators out there that you can try to use to figure out like what your macros should be. And they all tell you something different. Uh, and they all have these like flaws to them in terms of like trying to figure out what works best for you. But, uh, you know, so that's one of the things that I think, uh, I've been really impressed by in terms of working with you has been, Oh, what, whatever your, like calculation is around that stuff like works super well for me like you you do a really great job of matching the nutritional plans with 
the workouts so that again, it's like food plus workout equals results that you want. And that's been like one of the best, most satisfying parts of working with you is taking the guessing out of like what food really is going to help me do this and is going to taste good and is going to make me want to keep eating it. And, and um, that's been, that's been super helpful, I think, in helping stay consistent. Awesome. Yeah. And you've been having obviously more calories, but you've had, you've had so much more nourishment. You mentioned about building muscle as well. Obviously you needed more calories, but the more, and more importantly, or just as importantly is just the balance of fats that you're eating and stuff. Now there's a lot to it. There's a lot of nuance and like some of the supplements I've had you take in, which we won't go too deep into, but the level that Brian was at, just like you said, you needed that smart piece. And you mentioned what you were relating to earlier was like bandwidth as well, right? You're dealing with people all day. You've got a very stressful job, right? A lot of responsibility. You travel a lot. You need to free up that bandwidth and that energy that gets, it's a lot of guesswork and stress when you're trying to do it yourself. And not to mention, you're not getting uh, results. So you get that frustration that builds up, right? But what do you wish you could tell yourself, right? Let's just, if you can track back to say December, 2020, let's say a month before that, before you signed up, what would you, um, what do you wish you could tell yourself in terms of uh, advice at that point? Uh, Sorry, what do you wish you could tell yourself like one month before starting? Um. That's an interesting question. Uh, I would probably first say like, well, don't hesitate in signing up for Martin's plan because uh, it's going to work. Uh, it's going to work better than anything you've done before. Uh, so that would probably be the first thing that I would say. And then the other thing that I would say is don't be so afraid of fat in your diet. <laughs> I feel like that's one of the other big lessons that I've learned. I love that. Because um, I would say historically, I managed my diet so that it was super, pretty pretty low carb, although I, you know, I wasn't afraid of adding carbs sort of through different parts of the cycle. But I was super fat phobic in my diet, right? Which is I was like really hesitant to add fats into my diet. Um because of a really mistaken belief that that would equal fat on my body. Right. And that's one thing that you have definitely helped me think differently about um, is what it has meant to incorporate fat into the diet in a super smart way. Um, And also in a way that like makes things taste good, like fat tastes good. There's a reason why, you know, it's in everything and it's in some of the foods we love most. Uh, but also just being smart about how it gets introduced into the diet, right? So that it's actually, it's it's healthy fats that are reinforcing um, the fitness goals. So that I would say that would be the other thing that I would say to myself. Love that. That's really, really good advice. So I'm just going to say, just to kind of wrap this up, there's a lot of people listening to this who are high performers like yourself in their professional life, or they, they may be entrepreneurs, but they're just all growth-minded. What would you say to them in terms of high performance and how you perform so well in your professional life and, you know, stay on top of your game, essentially, for the most part? What advice would you would you give to people uh, in terms of just like performing at their best? Because, you know, feeling, looking and performing at your best is not easy. You mentioned about time management. I mean, stress management as well is is a big thing. But anything that kind of comes to mind that you feel like, yeah, these are non-negotiables for me. You've kind of covered a lot of it now. Anything that kind of comes to mind in terms of any advice for high performers, because a lot of them struggle, right? Just to give you an idea to to actually stay on top of their game with their fitness, right? So some people, that's the first thing to go. uh, Whereas us, we've managed to cement it in. So we don't really have to think about it as much now. We just got to plan ahead, you know? Yeah. Um, I, I always, always go back to that mantra, like structure gives you freedom. Like if you want the freedom to accomplish those things, you you do just have to plan for them and prioritize them in the right way. And so thinking about, you know, taking the time to ask yourself, like, what's, what are the things that I value most in my life? 
And how do I make time for those things, right? And so how do I build my day so that I can accomplish the things that I want to accomplish? Um, and it also means, you know, there's going to be prioritization. Like the other way to think about it is a little bit of like, what do you sacrifice? Like what are the things that you don't do so that you can accomplish the things that you do want to do, right? So like, I think one example right now is I'm probably in my life at the lowest point of my social life. Like I don't have a super bustling social life. I have a pretty small circle of friends who I see on a semi-regular basis, maybe once a month or every other month. Uh, and I think some people look at that. In fact, I had a conversation with a, with a friend uh, last year who was like really worried about me because I, he hadn't seen me in so long. And I was describing this really demanding work life. And he was, you know, he was like worried that I was okay. And I was like, no, I'm actually, I'm great. Like what I'm describing for you isn't a problem. It's I'm really happy with my life right now. Like, yeah, I don't socialize that much, but that's just not what's important to me right now. Like I'm in this job that I love, that I really care about, and we're doing really important work. I really have, I see this as a great opportunity to have a huge impact on this institution and to build a really incredible team. And that's super satisfying to me. So like what, what I, what, what sounds to some people like a living hell working all these long hours and helping to manage uh, this big growing team and working towards this pretty audacious goal on behalf of the institution, I think to some people feels overwhelming and, and discouraging. And for me, it's like, I love the idea of getting to help solve all these problems. Like that's, that's what I signed up for. <laughs> um, and just sort of, I think, paying more attention to, as I've gotten older, one of the things that helped me is just paying more attention to the things that I think are important and being a lot less worried about what other people think are important. And actually fitness has helped me really strengthen that orientation because as I started to get more serious with, with fitness, I did have friends who were like, oh my God, that sounds so boring. Like, why would you do that? And then I'd say, it's actually not boring to me. Like, I really love going to the gym. I've actually said to my staff and to my friends, I can't wait to be retired because I'm going to get to sleep in and go to the gym. I can spend all morning at the gym if I want to. And that sounds awesome to me. <laughs> like, that sounds great. <laughs> um, and people are like, oh, that sounds horrible. And I was like, I don't know. I love it. It makes me feel good. I like I like spending time there. Uh, I'm not social at the gym. Like, I have my head. I'm one of those headphones in, very serious, unfriendly look because I just love the working out. Like I, you know, and so some of it has been, I think, just learning to orient myself around the things that I have decided are important to me uh, and caring a lot less about what other people think. That's a really good point, what you said there as well, because people ask me to train with me. I have some people, oh yeah, I'm going to pop to Sydney soon. Should we do a workout? And I just say it in a good way, but it's no, isn't it? <laughs> because that's yeah. my therapy. That's my time where I don't want to be chatting and socializing. I want to just be going there and training and being in the zone, like you say. Um, so just one more thing on that point, right? Because um, someone said to me recently, unrelented standards, right? But we've got high personal standards. And I guess we get our dopamine kick and our uh, our pleasure out of, you know, things which are quote unquote healthy, right? But we prioritize sleep as much as possible, you know, even on the weekends, right? It's kind of a battle sometimes, isn't it? Because, so just last question on that is like balancing that between your social life, because sometimes that's something that I struggle with. It's like, I love it though. I don't like, just like yourself, it all resonated with me because I don't really like, I mean, I like to socialize and see friends every now and then, but if I can minimize that <laughs> and just relax on the weekends and we work hard and we train. So balancing those two things sometimes can be challenging, I guess, Brian, right? The, the the social element, but I guess it's just it's just saying no when you need to say no, isn't it as well? You kind of know your values, yeah. kind of black and totally. white. Well, 
And also just learning like who's worth the time. Like that's the other mm. thing too is like, you know, True. I'm old enough now that I, you know, you know who your people are. And sometimes you're lucky enough to meet more of those new people as you get older. And moving to New York, we've had some of those new friendships brought up that you you know, the older I get, the sooner you can kind of tell like who are your people, who your people are and who's worth sacrificing a few hours of sleep to go have a really fun dinner with, right? And who's willing to spend time with you on mutually agreeable terms, right? So like, I am very unlikely to say yes to the friend who wants me to go out and party all night than I am. I'm much more likely to say yes to the person who says, let's grab dinner on Saturday night at a reasonable hour (laughs) and have a nice dinner and a glass of wine and we can all be in bed by 10 o'clock. And that sounds great to me. And so just, it's it's also just aligning your community with your values in that way, right? So, you know, I know who the the people are who I can rely on in a pinch. I know who the people are who I can rely on for a a nice quiet evening out. And the occasional moment when I am ready to have like an all-nighter and go party, I know who those people are too. They're just usually not the first people that I go to when it's time for me to socialize. And that's that's just my that's my choice. And I don't feel bad about that anymore. I just have decided to stop feeling bad about that. Hundred percent. If my missus laughs, my girlfriend laughs because I'm always doing the calculation. She's the same as me, which is good. And by the way, like for you to find someone like Ken, me to find someone. It's hard to find people like that, like-minded, because like I'm calculating in my head, right? We go for food. She's like, what? 6 p.m. food. There's going to be no one there. I'm like, but then I can have three or four hours to let my food digest and get a good sleep. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. um, Just for the audience, go check out at Brian Fed on Instagram anyway. You know, you can see uh, see his physique and you can see some, some of the stuff that he's about. Anyway, might as well go check him out. I'll add his Instagram to the show notes anyway, right? Because, uh, you know what I mean? You're going to get a bit of eye candy there anyway. You know what I'm saying? Why not for the audience? <laughs> hey, bye. Thanks for your time, man. Really, really appreciate it. And uh, it yeah, was great to catch you. up. Likewise.